Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Douglas Wilson has a brand new book out for pre order titled Devoured by Cannabis Just in Time for 420. Many conservatives are ready to give up on fighting against the legalization of marijuana. Hasn't the war on drugs been a complete failure, they ask? And libertarians turn this surrender into a virtue. People should be free to do what they want, as long as they're not hurting anyone. But as Christians, we must be ready to swim against the tide, even when it's no longer cool. And no, we don't do it by making unsubstantiated claims about reefer madness. In Devoured by Cannabis, Douglas Wilson establishes from Scripture that marijuana usage is not comparable to alcohol consumption or to smoking cigarettes, and demonstrates that getting stoned is not an option for believers. Pre-order Devoured by Cannabis by Douglas Wilson today at canonpress.com. Future Men, Raising Boys to Fight Giants by Douglas Wilson. Read by Toby Sumter. Appendix A, Liberty and Marijuana. This appendix is a modification of a booklet I wrote entitled One Toke Over the Line. It is a particular application of some of the principles discussed in Chapter 9 on Christian liberty. For many Christian parents, these questions are not really an issue, and so the discussion was placed in an appendix. But the issue is a live one in many families, and so this section is made available here. There are limits, obviously, to civil and ecclesiastical authority but those limits are not established by the agitated desires of private spirits, particularly by the spirits of ignorant 19-year-old boys. With regard to civil disobedience, an individual may withstand the authorities only if he has warrant from the Word of God to do so, and does so in a way that is an honor to the gospel. If he does not, then he may not. When unbelieving civil authorities legislate against the mere use of wine, for example, they are doing so contrary to the teaching of the Bible. If the magistrate prohibits the use of wine at a Sabbath dinner of believers, he is clearly overreaching himself. This does not mean that he must be disregarded, that civil disobedience is necessarily required, but it does mean that the magistrate has set himself against the clear teaching of the Bible. That segment of the Christian church which happens to agree with this kind of prohibitionism is a very provincial portion of the church, American Christianity over the last century or so. But when the magistrate outlaws the use of marijuana, he is not assaulting Scripture in the same way. This does not mean that the use of marijuana necessarily ought to be criminal, but merely notes the fact that it is criminal, and that those Christians who want to disregard this law not only have no Scripture with them, they also have Scripture against them. Let me make this point particularly clear. I want to argue that marijuana use is clearly sinful, but I am not debating at this point whether it should be criminal. That is a separate debate for another time. Nevertheless, whether we debate it or not, it is in fact criminal. This means that those who want to use marijuana anyway are resisting the law from their own sinful position. They therefore do not occupy the same moral high ground that Christ would have occupied had the wedding at Cana taken place during Prohibition and been raided by ATF agents. This is why we must recognize the distinction between sins and crimes. 
Americans are naturally meddlesome and have a deep prohibitionist streak. If something is disapproved of, i.e. thought to be sinful, the next step taken is the assertion that there ought to be a law. But whether it is right or not, this all-or-nothing mentality is also shared by many of those who think that smoking dope ought not to be a crime. The facile assumption is made by some who think that since it should not be a crime, then it must not be a sin either. This is too easy. For those of us who take the Bible seriously, we should be able to see right away that not all sins should be crimes. But we should also be able to see plainly that many non-crimes are clearly sinful. For example, covetousness is clearly a sin, a violation of the Tenth Commandment. God says not to covet anything that belongs to our neighbor. But the magistrate is not competent to deal with covetousness. So I am not arguing here one way or the other with regard to the criminalization of marijuana use. We can at least say the magistrate should punish the criminal behavior which frequently accompanies such drug use, and the debate over whether the use of marijuana in itself should be against civil law can be left for another time. But even if the civil government legalized it, which it might, sanctions should still remain. Because it is so clearly wrong, the two other governments established by God should provide sanctions for any such drug use. The family and the church can, and should, discipline for non-criminal sinful behavior. In arguing that marijuana use is sinful, then it is important to note what is meant by marijuana use. The proposition being argued here is that it is sinful to ingest marijuana to any extent that alters the chemistry of the body and causes a physiological response of any magnitude. I am not arguing that there is any sin inherent in the marijuana plant, and I am told that it can be used in the making of fine ropes. I am not saying that it would be a sin to hold marijuana in the hand or to sprinkle it over the top of one's head. I am not saying that it would be a sin to ingest marijuana in minuscule amounts, amounts that have no effect whatever. Such distinctions are necessary because the sinful mind is legalistic and always wants to push boundaries. People take dope for the effect, and I am going to be arguing that it is a sin to seek this effect. It is a sin to seek the strong forms of it, getting loaded, and it is a sin to seek the mild forms of it, getting a pleasant euphoric buzz. If it has done its work as a drug, then that work has been a sinful one. In what follows, the observations are made on the basis of objective knowledge of marijuana use and not on the basis of self-reports from drug users who want to recommend the drug. We know a great deal about marijuana, it is a destroyer, and the hard data we have cannot be waved off as establishment hysteria over reefer madness. Because marijuana is a toxic drug, getting to the point of physiological response happens rapidly. Unlike wine, for example, marijuana has an immediate effect. Within minutes, two sips of wine tastes good, two hits from a joint, and the process of intoxication is begun. The active ingredient in marijuana is THC, delta-9-tetrahydrocannabinol. Over recent decades, THC potency has regularly increased. In the 60s, ordinary marijuana averaged one-half of 1% THC. Today, the average is 3%, with some forms, Sinsimilla, 
getting to an average of 7.5%. The half-life of THC in the body is 3 to 7 days. Contrast this with the half-life of alcohol, which is about an hour. Marijuana smokers frequently think that they do not have a problem with the drug because they only smoke on weekends. But by the next weekend, half the THC is still in the body and is still having an effect. Even after the high has worn off, THC continues to impair the body's ability to function. For a chronic user, it can take months before the THC is out of the system. And even then, permanent effects on the ability to think can be measured and observed. THC has an effect on the nerve cells in the brain where memories are formed. This is not a datum seen only in the laboratory. Those who are acquainted with drug users recognize at once the problem of the space cadet. Marijuana users frequently lose their motivation to work, which is the last thing a young man needs, their concern over their appearance, and their grasp of ethical standards. Obviously, heavy users will be more heavily affected, but to the extent that a user is affected at all, he is harmfully affected. Now that we have set the stage, what does the Bible teach? Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6-8 The word translated sober here is nepho, and it means to be self-possessed under all circumstances. Being sober is utterly inconsistent with every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness. Someone who is affected to any extent by marijuana is not sober in the sense that Paul uses that word. Peter says the same thing, using the same word. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is very interesting that Peter couples this requirement to be sober with the requirement to gird up the loins of the mind. This figure of speech is striking. Girding up the loins is gathering up the robes, preparing for action. The Christian mind is to be in training, preparing to think clearly and with godly precision. A lack of sobriety, a lack of nephos, to any extent, is completely inconsistent with this. Two drags on a joint and nephos is impaired. The clear-mindedness which is required is necessary for prayer. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. 1 Peter 4.7 A related word is nephalios, and the mindset behind it is required of Christian elders as they set an example for the congregation. The word means to be in control of one's thought processes, and to be sober-minded, to be well-composed in mind. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. 1 Timothy 3.2 We know from the immediate context that the required sobriety is consistent with the drinking of wine in moderation. Paul says in the next verse that the elder is not to be given to wine, the use of wine in moderation is consistent with nephos. 
but nothing in what we know of marijuana makes it consistent with this biblical requirement. To smoke marijuana, to get any level of euphoria from it, is clearly a sin. Reasoning by analogy, we can also see that drug use is excluded because it is designed to bring about the one state, brain fog, which is condemned as a lawless application of alcohol. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 The objection is often made that this excludes getting drunk with wine and does not exclude getting a buzz from marijuana. This is a good illustration of the legalistic, hair-splitting mindset of those who are attached to their sin. We too often think that legalism, the drawing of unscriptural boundaries, is the province of the overly righteous. But legalism is a sinful frame of mind, and it does not disappear even in the midst of licentious behavior. Sinners love to catch at words. It all depends on what it is. And we need to realize what is going on when they do this. When someone says that Paul prohibits drunkenness and not getting high, we have an example of this kind of catching at words. Paul also says not to get drunk with wine. Does that mean that gin is all right? Beer? Rubbing alcohol? If a man gets drunk with beer regularly and the church disciplines him, may they use Ephesians 5.18 as part of their basis for doing so? The only reasonable answer is, of course. Paul says not to get drunk with wine because it is one example of dissipation. Anyone who thinks that wine is the only route to dissipation doesn't get around much. The word for dissipation here is asotia, referring to a life that is prodigal or dissolute. The word for drunk is methusko, which refers to intoxication. If a man smokes dope until he is face down on the carpet, he is disobeying Ephesians 5.18. How he got loaded is not the point. If he got there with gin, beer, wine, or dope, the problem is the same one. As we have already seen, marijuana has an intoxicating effect almost immediately. This intoxicated state is unlawful, however induced. But suppose this is granted, but a further question is asked. What about the fellow who is not wiped out? He smokes marijuana, but remains, at least in his own mind, fully functional. He grants that drunkenness is always wrong, but denies that marijuana has to produce drunkenness. Why cannot cannabis provide an equivalent experience to wine gladdening the heart of man? We have to look at this argument carefully. We have seen that drunkenness is flatly prohibited by Scripture, but we have to recognize that other uses of alcohol are approved and encouraged throughout the Bible. In order to do this, we must back up. According to the Bible, alcohol has at least five lawful scriptural uses. Let's look at each and see if there is a parallel to marijuana at that point. The last one we will consider is the gladden the heart argument. The first use is sacramental. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Matthew 26, 27-29 From Genesis to Revelation, we have no scriptural warrant for the use of drugs in worship. While this is a feature of numerous unbelieving sects and cults, it has no part of biblical worship. God does require wine in the Lord's Supper, 
but he does not require any use of marijuana sacramentally. Wine has medicinal value. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. 1 Timothy 5.23 Here we have to say that marijuana could be scripturally lawful if it were being used in a genuinely medicinal way. With this said, at the same time, we have to say that the current political push to allow for the medicinal use of marijuana does have a hidden agenda behind it. The issue is not medicine, but rather the legalization and normalization of marijuana use. The current science indicates that the proposed medical value of marijuana is greatly overrated. It is being pushed as a medicine for non-medicinal reasons. Then there is the aesthetic dimension. And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, but when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. John 2.10 One wine might be selected because it would go well with the beef, and another chosen because it complemented the pasta. Marijuana goes well with, recalling Cheech and Chong, Oreos and mustard. We have no scriptural reference to drug use as an aesthetic gift, but we do have a scriptural acknowledgement of aesthetic standards with wine. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, The old is better. Luke 5.39 We also drink in order to quench our thirst. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, cheap wine, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. John 19, 28-30 We see here that wine satisfies a God-given desire, that of thirst. We have no scriptural reason to think that marijuana satisfies any such natural desire. On the contrary, marijuana creates a number of additional desires. At last, wine has a wonderful celebratory function. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, an herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Psalm 104, 15 When a thanksgiving table is set, When the glazed rolls are brown, when the turkey is done, and the crystal glasses are filled with wonderful wines, there the hearts of believers are filled with gladness. But when a room is filled with sweet, sticky smoke, the hearts of those present are filled with nothing but self-deception. True celebration is a discipline, accompanied with hard work, planning, training, and the fruition of joy. The use of marijuana is a celebratory slide downward, indulged in by the lazy and self-indulgent. But doesn't this passage say that God also gives herbs for the service of man? Yes, but drugs are not at all in view. The word is eseb and refers to herbs, green plants, and grass. It is talking about plants that work on behalf of man, not plants that cause a man's mind to become blurry. The lesson here is to eat your vegetables and salads. Of all these, the only possible lawful use for marijuana is the medicinal, and the use to which everyone puts marijuana is the one use which is denied to alcohol. In short, if someone was affected by alcohol the way they are affected within minutes of taking just a few hits, I would insist they have had too much to drink. Why? 
because their mind has been noticeably blunted. They are no longer sober-minded. They have started visibly down the road of dissipation. This is admittedly a judgment call. In just a few pages, we will be considering the biblical necessity of such judgment calls. One word in the New Testament related to drug use is pharmakeia. It is the word which in Galatians 5.20 is rendered as sorcery or witchcraft. In the first century, the use of altered state of consciousness, drugs, was clearly connected in various ways to the occult. In the ancient usage, pharmakeia is usually used to describe some occult practice related to drug use, potions, drugs, and so forth. This means that the translation of sorcery in Galatians 5.20 is probably a good one. But even today, the connection between drug use and occult practices is not entirely severed. But even when there is no occultism, this does not make the prohibition of pharmakeia irrelevant to the modern, secular drug user. Ancient drug use was far more religious than modern drug use, but so was ancient prostitution. When Paul commands the Corinthians to stay away from prostitutes, contextually the problem he was attacking was prostitution mixed with idolatry. In other words, men who worshipped at the temple of Aphrodite would do so by having sex with the prostitutes there. This mixture of sin categories does not keep us from seeing the pastoral relevance of 1 Corinthians 6, 12-20 to a modern, secular use of prostitutes. In other words, a modern man could not defend his knight with a hooker by saying that she was not a priestess. In the same way, pharmakeia encompasses more than one sin. One of them is the use of drugs. We may also reason in the other direction. If we were to describe modern pot smoking to an ancient Greek speaker, and we asked him what word would be used to describe this practice, with no occultism in sight, he would still answer, pharmakeia. Thayer's lists as his first definition, the use or the administering of drugs. The second definition is poisoning, and the third, witchcraft. Little and Scott do much the same. First, it is the use of drugs, potions, spells. The second definition is poisoning or witchcraft. Vine says the word primarily signified the use of medicine, drugs, spells, then poisoning, then sorcery. With these things in mind, the warning that Paul gives after he has listed the works of the flesh should be sobering to those who want to smoke dope as part of their Christian liberty. He says that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. An awful lot rides on this. Discussions over marijuana frequently find themselves diverted into interesting but irrelevant side paths. One of the characteristics of sophomoric insight is the ability to make superficial connections where no genuine comparison exists. The purpose of this short section is simply to show why it isn't a longer one. The first superficial comparison has already been addressed. The moderate drinking of wine or other forms of alcohol cannot be compared to the immediate intoxicating effects of marijuana. At the same time, it must be said that with some very potent forms of alcohol, the possibility of comparison does exist. Rubbing alcohol would be ingested only for the sake of immediate effect, and so a comparison could be made. But in the vast majority of cases, the two activities are not comparable. Another superficial comparison can be made to the smoking of tobacco. Tobacco is a room-smell-altering substance, but it is not a mind-altering substance. 
There are very good reasons not to smoke cigarettes, but for the most part, they are not the same reasons for avoiding marijuana. But because tobacco is on the fast track to being declared a drug by our federal masters, it is important for us to think biblically here as well. Some pietists have maintained that all tobacco use is necessarily sinful. A mindless response to this is that no tobacco use is sinful. But this is clearly false. Tobacco can be sinful for various reasons, even though it is not automatically sinful. If a man smokes a pipe once a month, I would be hard-pressed to show from the Bible how he was sinning. But if he is addicted to a pack of camels a day, then obvious issues of self-control come to mind, and the same thing goes for Starbucks. But marijuana is a mind-altering drug. It affects perception and ability to think. With drugs, like coffee and tobacco, and anything else we might think of, the issue is not the loss of reason, because these are not mind-altering agents. But they do affect the body, and so the issue can be the creation of bodily dependencies and a consequent loss of joy. The body is hard enough to subdue, Romans 6.12, without giving it a bunch of extra dependencies. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach, and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13. I will not be brought, Paul says, under the power of any. So the use of tobacco can easily be a moral issue. It just isn't this moral issue.